Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're talking about Aquaman. Today. Which we've just come back from. Uh, which is a DC Extended Universe, or Cinematic Universe thing. Um, uh, he's a fish man. Well, he's a... <laughs> <laughs> The king of the calamari. <laughs> he's a, this is the one I've been you know, sort of uh, dreading in a way, because... Um, how can you take a fish man seriously? But what he is, is, is played by Jason Momoa. Uh, his dad is uh, human, and his mum is Nicole Kidman, queen of uh, Atlantis. Atlantis, turns out, is real and underwater and all the rest of it. And uh, she can breathe underwater and have various powers. And he is the biracial uh, products of the Union. Um, she, uh, when he's very, very young is sort of taken back to Atlantis. She's escaped a kind of arranged marriage and all this sort of thing. Um, she's taken back there, and so he he feels the lo- loss of his mum quite keenly. Um, but he doesn't really have a relationship with the water. He can sort of talk to fishes, which he discovers when he's about seven. And he does... He swims very well, and he's very strong, and he saves people's lives, but he's not... He doesn't have a relationship with Atlantis. Um, and then... Things kind of, the things come back to the, 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 uh, this girl Amber Heard shows up, who turns out is the daughter of another king, sort of somewhere else within the kingdoms. Is there are seven kingdoms? There's Atlantis. a bunch of kingdoms, and she says your half brother, who uh, runs Atlantis, wants to take over the land world because of reasons, and you, as the true king, have to come and rescue everything. Blah blah That's blah. Right. Um, so there's the. I really liked it. I had a really good time. Um, it's not an amazing movie, but I I, I think it's really free. Um, I think DC has kind of been trying to work out what its identity is, while Marvel has had a pretty tight idea of what it's doing. Mm. Um, DC's kind of been jumping around. Does it does it go serious? Does it go light? Does it, the back and forth. This is on the much lighter end. And I think the fact that it's a film that isn't really related to anything else doesn't doesn't work hard to connect itself to the rest of the universe and goes, we're underwater, we can do what we like, gives it an awful lot of freedom. Uh, mm. I, I had more mixed feelings than you. I mean, I was bored in several instances and I thought some of the battle sequences, you know, were just unexciting and unspectacular and really too, too busy. Um, I thought it was a hodgepodge of every big hit of the last 30 years and you know we talked through some of them well while, while we were in the movie there weren't many people in cinema so we were kind of chatting amongst ourselves a little bit and we were pointing out uh, uh, things that we saw echoes of other films that we saw particularly Marvel films yes so there are echoes of Black Panther in the kind of um, sort of hidden kingdom uh, and the kind of kingliness and the thing of it kind of inverts Black Panther in that in Black Panther it was um, the bad guy was the one coming in trying to usurp his half-brother's throne mm. or his cousin's throne in that and in this one the half-brother comes back to usurp the throne but he's the good guy but yeah. there's a similar thing going on and there's an awful lot of Thor uh, going on in the, the it's enormously colourful and there are these kind of grand sort of architectural designs to things yeah it's a guardian <laughs> yeah exactly uh, uh, Atlantis is quite as guardian absolutely uh, but um, it kind of I mean, it'd be, it'd be harsh to say kind of uh, it's using those as kind of 
inspiration or copying them. It's definitely not, but it is. It's it's in that same kind of mold. It has that kind of kind of sort of godly story. It's like gods amongst us type of thing. Yes, there were lots of references to Jurassic Park. Well, I wouldn't say lots. I mean, there were dinosaurs. There's a whole section of the film that's kind of in a Jurassic Park type place with dinosaurs. And that's so. going too far. It's when they get to the center of the Earth. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> <spoiler> <laughs> they get to the center of the Earth, and it turns out that Aquaman's mum didn't die. They thought that she died, but actually she was exiled and expected to die. But she managed to survive. And in the center of the of the Earth, there's this kind of minor paradise where she's managed to live. And there are dinosaurs in there. Yes. Um, which is, yeah, a little bit Jurassic Parky. But that was when we were in the thing of going, we were noticing everything. Because like, yes. then there's a giant monster a little bit later on who we was like, well, that's definitely Godzilla. Yes. <laughs> so we were also in a mode of just taking it a bit too far. Well, but not really, because I think it is, in many ways, it is quite a derivative film. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's kind of put it in perspective, right? It is fun. I really understand why it's it's been such a huge financial success, right? Um but it's not quite good. No, I, mean, I would kind of agree with you, but uh, I mean, you're right to say it's, it's very derivative. Um, I mean, I was thinking like there are lots of shots that I think are great. There are lots of shots which I think are really nicely composed and really beautiful to look at, but there isn't an original one amongst them. Um, it's just like there are lots, like the one that really comes to mind for me is when uh, Aquaman and the girl, Amber Heard, are diving beneath Yes. They're diving to the trench, and all of the monsters are. We're thinking them. of the same shot, right? And my view of that is, it looks exactly like a great comic book panel. Mm. Like I've seen that before. I've seen it. I think I've seen it before in a film. I can't. Uh, I can't, can't. Like Hercules or something. Mm. The whole thing of like diving below and everything's chasing you. I can't think what it is, but I've definitely seen it before. But the other part of it is, it was really it looks well great. done. Yeah. So that's what the film is kind of Actually, full of. And to be fair to the film, I think there are many, many things that are well done. And again, it's almost like, you know, the 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 below the line people are fantastic. Like the, you know, the design of it and actually in a way the conceptualization of it. I was thinking how brilliant it was to see these people talking with their hair constantly moving, you know, because they're, they're underwater. Yeah. And how difficult it must have been to achieve that. Because, you know, it's not just that one little bit of someone's head waves. It's like the whole thing seems like, like as it would be if you were underwater. Yeah. And that must be some kind of extraordinary achievement, actually. It, it, it feels so anyway. It feels mm. kind of uh, spectacular to see. Um, there are many things that I think connect to what I like least about American culture, right? The whole militarization of it. You can't just have a villain. There's always like armies and armies and, you know, so much destruction all over the place, right? Um, that I hated that. There was some of the humor that I thought, I might be putting words in your mouth, but that I thought that you liked. Yeah, that yeah. I, that I always associate with heavy metal dumbness and the film is full of it. Like, you know, to be kind of a regular guy you've got to engage with that kind of conceptualization of the world, which I kind of resent, really. In the film, all of Jason Momoa's character is conceptualized as kind of, you know, as a half-wrestler, half-heavy metal, half-barfly character. Um, and that could just be personal. I don't like that. <laughs> well, I, um, I, you're right. I mean, you're right that that's how it's conceptualized, but then I think, like, the point of it is to... Is to kind of undermine that a little bit later on. Uh, the, there was there was a there was about a minute of the film that you left. I guess you went to Lou or something. Mm. Um, and in that minute, it's it's where he's been. Uh, he, he's chatting to Amber Heard as they're about to 
go into that trench and um, and and try and get this trident. And he says to her, like, we should give up. You know, I and he and he's he ma- it's made very explicit. He says in dialogue, um, I spent my entire life believing that I'm being trained to think that the way to solve problems is by punching them. Mm. Basically, he says, and. This, t- this entire time I've been getting my ass kicked mm. and I think it's time to give up basically is what he's saying and he kind of starts to engage with a kind of um, a sort of softer kind of more nuanced view of things I think what's one thing that's interesting about the film despite it being an action movie and full of action scenes and fights is that there is this undercurrent the whole time that says fighting is the worst way to solve a problem you know, so particularly, I'm thinking of when he gets to the room where the trident is, and he's going to have to fight this enormous uh, sea creature that guards it, and he tries to, and it's just batting him away. He's got no chance. Um, like you kind of think it's it's built up to be this is going to be a huge fight scene, and it stops almost immediately, and it becomes about talking, and it becomes about actually his identity and who he is and what he believes, and that's how he earns the trident. Yes, you know. Um, so there's, not, and then right at the end when he. Uh, he has the kind of climactic battle with his brother for the throne, basically, mm. and um, and he gets he he uh, beats him. His brother wants him to kill him. He says, "You know, this is the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to kill me," and he refuses to again. And he says, and not only does he refuse to, which is you know you've seen that before, he takes the more kind of pacifist route. But also, when his brother gets dragged off to jail, he says to him, "When you're ready, we'll talk." Mm. You know, so there is this undercurrent beneath everything that that says talking, <laughs> talking things out and coming to, talking things out is a better way of resolving things. Mm. You know, well there is that. Um, I think also the thing that you expect out of all the um, Aquaman uh, um, books. Uh, comic books is the environmental stance that people mm. are polluting the oceans um, uh, and you know that there are creatures in the sea who also have a right to live mm. right that's kind of always been the 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 premise of um, Aquaman and also the submariner uh, and you know kind of when you began by saying oh like these fishmen like <laughs> you know some of the most interesting stories in all of the comic book you know Marvel and DC universes particularly the Marvel Universe. I mean, the Submariner stories are like some of the great, great, great ones, really. I've so, never heard of the Submariner. Well, you know, it's like the the Marvel equivalent of Aquaman. Mm. Though, you know, he's got little wings on his feet like Mercury and he can also fly. And they're absolutely can. great. Yeah. You know, so, so you know, just, just to express my reservation about that comment. But the other thing that I found really interesting is the film has a whole stance on race, right? So as you pointed out, it's very important, you know, that Aquaman is half from the sea and half from land. Mm. Though interestingly, he's kind of, you know, Jason Momoa's look is neither like the father nor like Nicole Kidman, right? So it's kind of, you know, that's an interesting, it's interesting to have given him those parents, really. It's also interesting, and in a very positive way, I think, to have made the villains black, yeah, mm. uh, it usually would have been kind of more mm. highly racially charged. Well, some of the villains they're like mercenaries who work with. Yeah. Um, okay. Work with the. the so the so I brother. suppose what starts off as the main villain, and what ends off as a villain to return in the sequel. Yeah. Right. 
So, you know, he's made black. The main villain, the, what is it, the, the Ocean Master, who is uh, Aquaman's half-brother, is drawn as an Aryan, basically, yeah. right? So I thought Patrick that's Wilson. very interesting because, you know, the, the, the Aquaman of the comic books was a blonde, right? So it, it had, mm-hmm. yeah, so to make him into Jason Momoa is to make a statement, right? And I thought that was yeah. very interesting that the film, so the film is definitely living and reveling in and supporting a multiracial world, right? And actually, I made a very explicit comment on that immediately. Um, I, this is something that I brought up before on the podcast. I can't remember when, but I, um, in Trevor Noah's um, book, Born a Crime, Trevor Noah is a South African who uh, was born to a white father and a black mother, and he grew up during apartheid. And um, he talks about the, the problem that racists have with biracial kids, yes. race mixing, is that it proves that racists can mix. Yes, you know, it's kind of like the literal opposite of what they believe in. Um, and there's a there's a line of dialogue. Reminiscent of that, right at the start in Aquaman, um, where he's talking about his parentage in, in, in voiceover, and he says, my existence proves that our worlds can coexist. Yes. That's right. Something like that. And then right at the end of the film, you get to the point where the, the Patrick Wilson, the, the brother uh, character, his point of view of, you know, there's land and sea and they don't mm. coexist, is being demolished. and mm. he's and And he's going to have to... Uh, learn, <laughs> learn that. Learn to accept it. You know, the mother comes back and says, "You've been given all these stupid ideas. Mm. You need to." It's, it's, they basically say, "Like you're wrong-headed, and you need to be re-educated." It's not like I say. He doesn't get killed. He, he he's put in a place where hopefully he will learn mm. that the way he saw the world isn't the right way. Yeah, I want to bring up. I mean, the whole thing is clearly based on the Arthur uh, on the on the legend of King Arthur. And in fact, Aquaman's real name is King oh, Arthur, yeah. right? And, you know, like uh, King Arthur, he's raised uh, away from his home. Uh, um, he comes to know his heritage uh, 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 very slowly. Uh, he's got to have a quest to find the sword, in this case, a trident. And only the real king can get the trident. So, you know, kind of structurally, like mm. the film follows very closely um, the King Arthur legend. So in a way, it is kind of a film for geeks of all kinds. Like if you're interested in kind of, you know, these elements on what the film is drawing on for its narrative, it's kind of, it's very rich that way. Yeah, it kind of, it gives you a lot to, mm. to think about. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. More than Robin Hood did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I think I think what I really liked about the film is there's a. Um, I, I talked about the tone of, of freedom that it has, and I think it's it has a similar feeling to Marvel films like Ant Man or Black Panther in that those films are not deeply connected to the kind of uh, ongoing mythology that they're trying to build. You know, Ant Man and Black Panther in particular were kind of very peripheral. And they were allowed to build their own worlds, um, and there was a feeling of freedom in both of them. And I think this is, has the same. Compared to something like Thor, which yes. although it has some real similarities to Aquaman, um, is also quite rigid in its kind of uh, in its story. Those films, because Thor, the character, and Loki are kind of so deeply connected to the very centre of what the Marvel films are mm. talking about. They're less peripheral, right? 
and this film has a feeling of that as well. Like, so you know, Batman's not, a, not doesn't show up, Superman doesn't show up, no one shows up. It's yes. purely Aquaman. It's a completely standalone thing. Yes. Um, and they are allowed to kind of express real freedom in, in what they want to do, and I think that's great. Um, and the sense of tone that it has. Again, I mentioned like DC's been trying to find its tone for a while, and it's come under a lot of criticism because it's just. If it gets too serious, people don't like it. And then if it gets too light, people go, well, it's just trying to be Marvel. You know? yeah. um, and this, I think, was really successful. I think the moment that the moment that you kind of either get its tone or don't is very early on, where in a meeting of two of the uh, underwater kingdoms, um, one side is riding giant seahorses, mm. kind of Winnie and Bray, and the other side is riding giant sort of weaponized great white sharks. You know, and these two sides are, are sort of standing off each other, and right there you go. This is silly, okay? It's it's kind of it's it's sort of serious. Like you, you're not meant to be. It's not a joke on. Um, you're meant to be taken seriously that they are kingdoms, hmm. but it's also being expressed within the in a kind of a silly way. There's a freedom to how it uses its its underwater environments and that sort of thing, and I think that's when you start to get its tone and then it's it constantly it constantly maintains this slightly silly tone throughout there's kind of the 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 designs for instance it has um it has a gun that's given to the sort of mercenary pirate character that you fill with water and then it turns water into energy beams and mm. it's just delivered in a line of dialogue this is this is how this works mm. and it's quite silly like i thought that's basically a super soaker you know but like made sort of sci-fi. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I all of those things are delightful in the film, I think. It has an element of splash as well with the girl coming to dry land and then That's right. like figuring out that you know, she tries to eat a flower at one point and it's yes. just like it's it's doing a lot of that as well. It is. Um I I I mean, I didn't I thought I thought the the moments of humor were clumsy. Uh and they didn't all work and I thought kind of those elements to me where it's like weakness. You could see that it was meant to be funny, you know, but actually kind of, I didn't find it so, so it might just be me, but you know, yeah. actually that flower eating moment, mm. you know, yeah. No. <laughs> that I, falls flat. I agree. Uh, the success of some of the humor is definitely up for discussion. I didn't yes. find it all funny. I think you're right that a lot of it is clumsy and could be better executed, but the tone overall, I yes. think, is um, is very strong. I think the freedom that you mentioned is definitely a thing, and I I also kind of just want to talk about, you know, the look of the film because actually from the very first shot, I thought this looks like an animated film, mm. you know, like kind of not live action with CGI, but really just like an animated film. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was interesting because you know I think the film I don't know if it's developing like a new look or something, but there is that sense of you know cgi so overtaking the live action that it does look like an animated film and actually to the point where even the actors faces have been cgi'd so you know you have a very young looking nicole kidman in some some sections a completely line free willem dafoe mm -hmm. in other sections right mm. so it feels like even the faces have been you know, anim well, animated, yeah, or CGI'd, or whatever you they call have, it. Yeah, yeah, you know. so they've totally been de-aged. Um, and actually, it didn't bother me as much as it did in the advertisement, because I, I don't know if you remember, but, but when we saw the trailer, mm. kind of, it looked so terrible. I thought, oh, you know, kind of, I've got to see this, but really, it, it kind of, it looks terrible, really. And, and actually, when I saw it today, 
I didn't feel it looked as terrible as I thought. I actually thought it looked very interesting. and I thought it looked very interesting and very beautiful, mm. frankly. I mean, I think you're right that CGI is absolutely everywhere and how could it not be? But um, it's, it doesn't seem to be used kind of thoughtlessly. Like, that it's, it's for, for one thing, it's enormously colourful. Certainly when you get to uh, Atlantis, kind of... Uh, they basically said, like, okay, so they went... They looked at Thor Ragnarok and went, let's use all the colours mm. of that. And then they saw Black Panther and went, and make sure the main colour is purple. Mm. You know, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of kind of uh, uh, iridescent, fluorescent sort of uh, underwater foliage and things, lighting things up. Mm. It's incredibly beautiful and the, and the way that the light uh, the way the light kind of filters and refracts through water um, is constantly keeping things interesting visually and kind of yeah. active and it's great and the the CGI it doesn't head kind of realistic it, it has a there is a slightly cartoony aspect I think sometimes the lighting on things seems a little bit flat in a way that in a way that kind of highlights uh I don't, I don't want to say like fakeness because it has a that has negative connotations, but there are, there are times when things look like they don't quite fit in the world. Mm. But it didn't seem to me to be like a mistake or kind of unfinished. It seemed to that seemed to me to be the point, and that everything thus did kind of fit mm. in a way. It was weird, and I, I can't quite explain it. But I really liked the look. I liked how it kind of privileged um, sort of visual excitement over trying to make things dour and realistic mm, yes you know? I like that as well the other thing that I really loved actually was um, seeing uh, Willem Dafoe and Dolph Lundgren yeah right who I think it's kind of worth mentioning because of course Dolph Lundgren for most of his career just had the reputation of being like this extraordinarily hunky blonde muscle man really you know and terrible actor and he's very good in this yeah you know i thought he kind of you know he was very casual and he carried it very well uh i recognized him instantly though i, I couldn't i wasn't sure it was him i spent an entire action scene trying to think of his name <laughs> right yeah. yeah the name uh, uh is an issue but actually it was kind of really wonderful to see both him uh and willem dafoe uh in these roles um, and kind of, I think they really added texture to, to the film that wasn't otherwise, well, no, that's not true. The film is full of te texturing and different elements, actually. Um, I did find the pace... They bring uh, a kind of wisdom to it, though. Like, everyone else is basically young and impulsive in some way or other. Yes. And they bring, you know, um... Gravitas. They bring gravitas. Like, Willem Dafoe is the vizier, you know, the advisor, who's been kind of, and he's the advisor to Patrick Wilson, who's also been secretly training mm. Aquaman for years knowing that he's the true king. And um, Dolph Lundgren is one of the kings of the other uh, kingdoms, and Amber Heard's father. And he has this kind of, you know, kind of kind of going with Patrick Wilson, mm. but constantly with one eye on him mm. the whole time, and ready to turn if he needs to, mm. which I quite like. Can we talk a little bit about this king business? <laughs> you know, what is it about our culture at the moment, you know, that kind of, you know, everything is about blood and kings, you know, yeah, it's kind of, it's yeah. so extraordinary, really, because, you know, kind of a lot of the comic book heroes got their start of just being ordinary people who had an extraordinary thing happen to them and transform their life. And then, you know, kind of they had to make decisions about kind of how to use, you know, what that transformation kind of brought up, you know, but kind of um, 
they were normally ordinary people or you know scientists or students or mm. you know even when they were like rich billionaires you know they were they were people who ended up without powers or whatever but you know kind of the thors and uh um you know, Aquamans and, and Black Panthers. Yeah, it is kind of, you know, what is what is it with our world now that is, yeah. you know, underlining this aspect of royalty and hierarchies and, you know, and, mm. and, and the militarist dimension that that kind of um, brings out as well. Yeah, kind of, you know, the king is yeah. always in the midst of some kind of major military operation or war or formation or mm. something. It's kind of... I think that what these films do, I mean, it's partly that they are, they're doing... Um, these are like these are just some of the entire range of characters. So it, uh, these are going to be the films that deal with those mm. ideas. These are what these characters are. I think one of the things that the films do, um, or at least attempt to do, and I think have some interesting things going on in them, is there's there's talk of there's talk of in this film, for instance, of obligation. You know, like the thing with Amber Heard coming in, who's a princess. Um, you think basically from the start, well, it's a love interest thing, and mm. it's kind of not for a long time. It only yeah. develops later on. At the start, it's all about we have to save the place, and I don't really want to do stuff, but I have an obligation to, mm. you know, which I think is interesting because that's the, the obligation that you get with other superheroes is it comes down to with great power comes great responsibility. Like I've been given this now, mm. I have to use it responsibly, um, and if I don't, then that's the kind of moral decision that I've made. Mm. Um, whereas this is I've been born into this. You know, so it's not like it's not power that I've been given, not in the same way, but it's a position, mm. and there's my obligation. So, and and the thing with Aquaman in particular, he doesn't want that obligation, you know, and he and part of his learning process is I have to learn to engage with the position that I've been given as the true king. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. But you're right that sort of the idea that some people are privileged. You know, there's only one true king, and it's me because I have this birthright type of thing. Yes, um, is interesting, and I don't, and in terms of like how that relates to sort of the way we think about things these days, I'm not sure. I mean, people are people are really into um, the royal family yes. of, of late, you know, and there's there's all sorts of sort of TV dramas and films coming out about the, about the the British royal family in whatever you know, kind of modern royal family or older yes. variants of it. Um, there is a, there is a kind of obsession with it. Um, I mean, I've really seen a lot of them. You know, things like The Crown. Yes, I've seen it. I've it's it's very good. But you know, it's interesting that kind of all of that is happening at the moment. I mean, I don't know what to make of it. Mm. I just kind of you know want to raise it as a as something worth thinking about. You know, what it means, I'm not sure. You know, how widespread it is, or you know, I'm not sure, yeah. and how it compares to other things. It's just something that comes to mind. Yeah, I suppose something that is interesting to point out is that in these films, I'm going to think particularly about Thor and uh, Black Panther and and Aquaman. Is although they do contain uh, some ideas of you know what does it mean to be a king and what does his obligations mean and that sort of thing, there's never a question of uh, that the system is never in question. Yes. you know there, there is going to be a king, there and, is, and, then, exactly. and so you may as well do it properly. Sort of. Yes, thing. but I mean, I think that's also interesting that you know the system isn't in question. There is exactly. always going to be a king, you know, and the king is going to be the one with the true blood, <laughs> which is kind of very disconcerting as an idea, right? You know. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but anyway, I don't want to make more of it than just to raise it. I'm not sure kind of what it means. 
Uh, and I do want to raise two other things. I thought, I thought the fight sequences were very unexciting. You know, the whole scene in Sicily where they go from rooftop to rooftop to rooftop. You can see how the idea of making it exciting, you know, what it is, but actually it didn't deliver. I don't know if it was the timing. I also didn't... I think the music is partly to blame. Yes. Um, I think the music in that scene, that sequence in particular, felt just boring, to be mm. honest. I mean, I, you're right, the idea is there. There's one shot in particular, like a real show-off shot, which starts off with one of the baddies... Uh, busting through walls and the camera follows him and then the camera moves outside and it's all in one shot it moves outside and then it move, it tracks forward to Amber Heard running across rooftops and then it follows her for a bit and yes. then it pulls back a great distance to show um, on another sort of side of the city almost um, uh, Aquaman fighting his enemy so it's a kind of great show off shot and it looks fantastic but it does feel like a flat moment in a flat scene Yes. on the other hand there are a couple of action scenes that I really really enjoyed the first one in the lighthouse, yes, um, where uh, the sort of five or six uh, Atlantis sort of troops come to um, take uh, Nicole Kidman back, mm. is done in this again like single take, obviously CGI and stuff, but single take. It's like the Burley brawl from from Matrix Revolution, mm. uh, Matrix Reloaded, if you remember, where he's fighting like two hundred mm. um, Agent Smiths all at once, and it's done in this amazing moving, spinning, revolving shot mm. where he's fighting all these people off once and it's it's just like that and I think it's really well orchestrated. There are point there are there are action scenes that I thought, like in my own head I thought this is really well orchestrated. Mm. So I don't think that everyone falls flat and I don't think it's an issue of kind of not being able to see things that we talk about a lot. You know, mm. I think I think you always get a really good sense of kind of uh, kind of geography and where people are and what the stakes are and all that sort of thing. Mm. You're right that yeah, I agree with you that there are there are fights which just feel flat somehow. But I there's like an X factor that's missing in a few. Mm. But there are others that I think are really good. Okay. And I was surprised actually because I wasn't aware of James Wan as as I don't think he's done action before. I mean, he's he's done horror. He's, yeah, but the horrors are full of action though. In a way, but the, but it, but the, the way they orchestrate things is different. I don't think he's ever done scenes like this. Yes. Um, yeah, he did Saw and he did uh, things like The Conjuring and The Nun. Um, um, which are very different. Okay, well, I thought he'd done the Fast and the Furious or something. Oh yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't seen. Yeah. That. Um, but, it, but well, his direction was a very pleasant surprise. I just it was very different to what I expected from him. Okay, well, to me it wasn't so pleasant a surprise. I mean, I thought you know there are a lot of aspects of the film that could be improved. Yeah. However, that said, it was much more enjoyable than I expected it to be on the basis of the trailer. I didn't like I didn't like the fight scenes. I didn't like some of the visualization of some of the spectacle. So, for example, there's that whole scene where uh, Ocean Master <laughs> sends uh, all these waves and so uh, um, uh, huge uh, ocean liners and boats land on the earth and, you know, destroys them all. Um, you know, and I just kind of thought you know, some more spectacular image or some more striking or memorable images. Mm. You know, like you needed it as a payoff, right? Like what you actually see is almost unworthy of the concept, right? And yet you have these mammoth boats, you know, on True. land, right? So On the other hand, you do have that the visuals of, of the waves chasing down the truck they're trying to escape from it from. And those those shots I thought I like those shots in that sequence. Well, yes, I mean, you know, kind of it's not a disaster. I'm not saying it's hor it's horrible, but I'm just saying 
you know, it's kind of it's one of those things that you 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 see this film and you say, okay, it was very enjoyable, you know, but it has these underrealized ideas, yeah, that there's mm -hmm. still kind of you know elements missing that would have you know made it a, a much better film than it is. Yeah, m maybe so, but um, I li I liked its feeling and I liked its sort of like I say tone. Okay. I think the tone is really strong, and when you get when you get underwater and things start getting really colourful and silly, you know, like the the, the giant seahorses, it's fantastic. You know, <laughs> the, giant, the, the the whole the, the crab things towards the end. The crab things are great. You know? So yes, um, um, you know, like why don't we just have a fight where we have like a million crabs? Yes, and a giant lobster thing. I mean, there were many things. <laughs> like there giant were giant lobster Godzilla. I like the Pinocchio thing. As yeah, as absolutely. well, you know. So it's kind of it's full of references and, and knitting in all of these uh, quotations from you know from from pop culture, uh, 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 you know from 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 a long time ago to the present actually from you know from King Arthur to the latest Thor, you know I think kind of a lot of the tone is a kind of an imitation of the Waititi. Thor, yeah. Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi, Thor. Yeah, just so um, you know, so 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 I think that would sum it up for me. It's kind of it's very derivative, but also fun and enjoyable. Kind of antipodean because um, Taika Waititi is from New Zealand and James Wan is from Australia. Yeah. So they they have a they have a sort of who cares. You know, let's make let's have fun and throw a few shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> sort of attitude. <laughs> well, that's a very good summing up. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I recommend it. Um, yeah, I recommend it too. I, I had a really good time. And I think um, Lower Expectations, which for me this film definitely had, because I think, for one thing, people just don't really expect much of DC to begin with. On the second hand... I wasn't impressed by the trailer or that sort of thing. On the third hand, I just wasn't impressed by the idea of Aquaman. It's like, a, ooh, a man who can control the fish. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> but, but it, um, you know, it, kind of, it comes together and I had a really good time. So. All right. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, um, Facebook and Twitter, and eavesdropping, uh, eavesdroppingatthemovies.com is our website. Thank you very much for Cheerio. listening. Cheerio. Bye-bye.